0: To the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradio.network.com. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Good evening. You are tuned in to Political Prisoner Radio. My name is Scotty Reed. Of course, I am broadcasting from behind the enemy lines known as USA Inc. It is a Sunday night. Uh, Today's date is November the 1st 2015. In just 29 days, yours truly will be 49 years old. Man, how the time has went by. Um, This program focuses on political prisoners behind these enemy lines that's being held either by the federal government or by the various states who are uh, members of the corporation called USA Inc. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of our freedom fighters from previous generations do not get a lot of mainstream attention if they get a lot any kind of mainstream media attention it is propaganda to tell you how evil they are or how bad they are and why they should stay in prison you never really get the truth you never uh really get the context and so that is the purpose of this program which started about what three almost four years ago um this is my first um Foray back on the airways after being off air for a week. So I may be a little rusty. Y'all, uh, forgive me for that. Uh, but yes, yeah, good to be back on the airways broadcasting to, uh, the Black Talk Radio Network family of listeners. We, uh, certainly thank you for not only, um, you tuning in, but sharing the station with other people and, uh, for those who make a financial donation to the Black Talk Media Project so that we can continue our media operations. Now, as you can tell normally, um, if you're a regular listener, I usually have Sister Amija Whitlock riding shotgun with me. Uh, but she's not here tonight. Um, she is, um, had suffered the loss of her mother, um, over the week. And I just found out about it today. Uh, Sister Mijo is a, a private person. Um, you know, some people, they just don't like to tell people about the problems they may be experiencing. And but, you know, they um, will talk about the problems that other people are experiencing. Like she's done most of her her life. And so she suffered uh, the loss of her mother. So our prayers and thoughts and we send our condolences to Sister Amijo as she, you know, tries to cope with the loss of a very important person in her life. And as she stated, it was not unexpected. But I mean, you really can't prepare for nothing like that. You know, you just really can't prepare for for the loss of a parent. And so, uh, as she deals with that, um, and I talked to her earlier today, um, I just want to make you aware that, you know, it's not only the issue of dealing with the loss of her mother uh, that she has to deal with. Um, she had moved in with her mother to help take care of her mother, who has been in poor health for quite some time. And whenever, you know, um, these sort of health issues strike families, it can put you into a tremendous amount of debt, right? And so um, she right now um, doesn't know what's going to happen with her mother's home. Um, if they lose the home because of falling behind on uh, the mortgage, because of the bills related to her health issues, um, she could lose that home in, in 30 days. Um, so uh, we certainly don't want that to happen. Because Sister Mijo has given so much of herself for so long, I feel like, you know, it is incumbent upon me. It is incumbent upon all of those um, that um, have benefited from the work that she has done. Again, most of most of her life. Um, Sister Mijo as a teenager was involved um, in advocacy for political prisoners. Um it didn't just start with political prisoner radio. No, in fact, she is one of the people that I turned to her and sister Marpessa and a shout out to sister Marpessa. She contacted me the other day, uh, online and she has also been dealing with, uh, health issues, but she, uh, told me she's feeling better and she was able to get online just to, you know, send me a greeting, but it was, um, those two, sister Marpessa and sister Mijo that I turned to for help. And putting together this program, because at that time, I wasn't even aware of political prisoners um, that existed here in the United States because this information is largely uh hidden, hidden from the masses. And so I was ignorant about that. Uh, so her advocacy for political prisoners didn't just start with political prisoner radio. She's done uh, work with Jericho um and you know so many of the different political prisoner families and so um I, she in this time of need i feel like it is incumbent upon us each and every one of us to do what we can to um help her and her family out because she does have a a uh, minor son uh, that she also is taking care of um so uh one of her friends and sister Mijo is in Baltimore. Um you may have known that, those who know her or are regular listeners of this program. But she is in Baltimore and one of her friends by the name of Kevin James has set up a fundraiser with hopes of raising at least three thousand dollars for Sister Mijo and her son. Um if you would like to contribute and I'm making a personal plea on her behalf I I really uh, would like you know for people to donate what they can and so uh, Mr. James is taking those donations via PayPal and you can use the PayPal email address and I will um, give that to you the PayPal email address that you can send donations to is K.A. James the number two at gmail.com that paypal email address is again k as in kite a as in apple james and the number two at gmail.com so that's k a james two at gmail.com please uh send whatever you can uh no amount It's too small. And please help our our sister, our comrade and our Black Talk Radio Network family member out in her time of need. And, you know, and speaking of that, I also want to thank the Black Talk Radio Network family that stepped up to help out another one of our family members, uh, Max Parthis, who is the co-host and co-producer. Of, of new abolitionist radio um for those who know max or regular listeners to that program here on the network know that max and his family um lost their home in south carolina as a result of the floods all right and the home uh was condemned because of you know the um flood water while it didn't enter into the home. It rose as high as the porch. So, you know, that got all up under the house and whatnot. So the house was condemned and, and they had to, to get out. Um, so, um, we asked, uh, some of you, um, whether it was through, uh, the network or whether it was on Facebook, we asked some of you to make a donation to brother Max Parthis and his family and, many of you did many of you stepped up and um so max and his family um I'm, I'm not sure max has found a new place to live yet i do know he last week you know uh, when we took the week off he said it was good timing because he was trying to find a place uh to live and so i just want to thank those who contributed uh to depart this family in helping them out in their time A need. Um, that's what, that's what family's about, people. That's what family is about. So again, uh, please look out for our sister, um, Amija Whitlock, who has given so much of herself to others who are less fortunate than, than her, um, been advocating probably over half her life for, uh, political prisoners. So please, again, you can send those PayPal. Uh, donations or those donations via PayPal at the email address kajames2 at gmail.com. All right, so let's uh, get into what I have a uh, plan to discuss with you tonight. I want to take a look at two different cases. Um, if you had an opportunity on Black Talk Radio Network and you saw, uh, the program promo for tonight, then you know I'm going to be talking about our elder Jamil Alameen, also known as H. Rap Brown. Uh, I play a lot of clips on the network, you know, um, that I have a clip from YouTube videos from when he was a very young man. Um, When he was working with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, as well as uh, the Black Panther Party, Uh, brother H. Rap Brown, or as he's known now, Jamil Alamine, very very intelligent brother, Uh, really understands the system of racism and white supremacy. Really understands, um, you know the social political issues that we're even dealing with today, some of them YouTube videos, he even predicted what things would be like if a black person got elected president and I say that um his analysis has always been uh pretty much spot on all right, so we're gonna be talking about him today. um uh, we also try to uh recognize the birthdays of current political prisoners. And so, um, in that regard, we have, uh, Ed Poindexter, um, known, um, as part of the political prisoners known as the Omaha Two, uh, along with Mondo Wee Langa, which was, who he was formerly known as David Rice. And so today is Brother Poindexter's, our elder Poindexter. It's his birthday, November the 1st. So, you know, um, I don't, I don't think it's appropriate to say happy birthday to people who are on a plantation, um, and, and especially those who don't deserve to be there because they are innocent. So, um, you know, we definitely just want to acknowledge his birth, uh, and send birthday greetings out, out to him and, um, those who care about him. Um, but we'll just discuss a few, uh, things involving, um, that case as well of uh, the Omaha 2. Um, so, what, uh, um, made me want to talk about Brother Emil, Imam of uh, Jamil Alameen is because there was a press release, uh, that was sent to me via email. I'm not sure if it was Jericho. It probably was Jericho because that's where I get most of my information from. Uh, NYC Jericho. Um, uh, so it was probably them, but I don't recall. It came, um, last week. Um, yeah, last week is Sunday. So start of a new week and I posted it to political prisoner radio. Now we have covered, uh, Imam Jamil Alameen's case in the past, but the details at that time did not come out. The only thing that I knew was that he was innocent he proclaimed his innocent i believe him all right and um but he was convicted of i think it was killing assaulting one of of the fulton county georgia sheriff's deputies all right i um, I think one of them was shot but he didn't die uh, but i do know one was uh killed And they convicted him of on that murder and that assault on the uh, sheriff deputy that survived. But so that's pretty much all I knew, because most of the time when we were discussing his case, we were trying to um, get help for him. Advocates, you know, advocating um, and getting others to make phone calls to the prison because they were torturing him by denying him medical attention for uh, abscess tooth and his jaw just swole up and you know once that people die from that kind of stuff you know um if you have dental problems and especially you get an abscess or something like and you don't get treatment for it that poison which that you know that that pus and all that kind that can kill you and and so this man had been begging and I ain't going to say begging this man had been requesting medical attention to see a dentist for about 7 months that that they knew he had this issue um but finally due to the uh phone calls and the letter writing of those who advocate for political prisoners he was able to um get that taken care of and it was during that process that they discovered he had a rare form of cancer. I forget what the name of the cancer was. And, um, so then he's got to deal with that, those health issues as well. And so, yeah, uh, that's ba- that's more or less, uh, what we have been focused on in terms of the, co- the the programs that we have done about, uh, brother Imam Jamil Alameen, also known as H-Rap Brown. And I never, never heard anyone bring up the fact that another man had confessed to killing, uh, this sheriff deputy or, or shooting these sheriff deputies of which one I believe died. Well, one, I, at least one died. I know that for a fact. And so you, you know, you got to ask yourself the question. And this isn't the first time, um, this has come up where. People, I'm, I'm thinking of Devontae Sanford, the little young brother up there in Detroit, Michigan, um, who as a, a a very, very young teenager, I think he was 13 years old at the time, has developmental issues and whatnot. And the Detroit police coerced him into um, um, confessing to a quadruple murder at a drug house that he did not. Um, do and they know he didn't do it but then later a hit man who was hired to take those people out um, he had been convicted and I think it was a plot or he actually did kill the wife of a police officer and um, he confessed to the crime Uh, he found out and knew that Devontae had been set up and that you know he wasn't never getting out of prison or at least until he's a very very old man and so Vincent Smothers, a, a former Detroit hitman, confessed to the crime. And, and Kim Worthy, the, the prosecutor up there in Wayne County, didn't care. They didn't care. And they've done everything to suppress uh, Devontae getting out. So this happens all the time. It happens a lot more than what we know. And it has um, happened a lot to our political prisoners because of their political activities. In the case of H. R. Brown, now known as Jamil Alameen, but also in the case of the uh, Omaha 2, um, Ed Poindexter and Mondo Wielanga. So, yes, that is what I want to discuss tonight. Um, I also was able to find, I came across an interview that the imam's wife recently gave to blockreportradio.com and it's not a very long interview. Uh, I imagine it's a, uh, update concerning his case and his health. So we'll be listening to that here in just a bit. Uh, his, his, uh, wife, Kareem Alameem, uh, did that interview about maybe a week ago, uh, maybe less than a week ago with blockreportradio.com. Um, Again, uh, let me just state this program is only an hour long. Um, So if you have any questions or if you have any comments, do not hesitate uh, to chime in. Uh, You could do that a number of ways. You can give us a call at six, four, one, seven, one, five, thirty, six, sixty. That is six, four, one, seven, one, five, thirty, six, sixty. And the participant code is five, four, nine zero three pound that's five four nine zero three two pound um for those already dialed in to listen greetings anytime you want to speak just hit star six and one and that'll signal me your host and I'll bring you in uh you can also use the web based flash phone um if you have a headset or something like that and um, it's a free call it's a web based uh phone system and you can call free from anywhere in the world uh via your computer uh, as long as you have a pair of headsets of course a uh, pair of headsets with a mic uh you can do that um, also you can give me a call on the studio line that's 704 951 5030 that again is 704 704- 951 5030 Thank you again for tuning in to Political Prisoner Radio so I'm going to um, go to the press release I thought I had linked to it Um, I'm going to have to make sure I go back to it on the um, podcast once I uh, create the podcast and upload it to blacktalkradionetwork.com I'll place the link but you can find the press release on political prisoner radio's facebook page um i posted it there uh if you want to take a look at it and uh so let me just uh pull that up for you bear with me please uh let's see here we go um that press release and it's accompanying a picture um, a graphic that I had made from the last time that I talked about his case on air, but let me just go ahead and um, open up the full press release. Well, actually, this came out um almost a week a month ago, actually, yeah, a month ago on October the seventh, and so um it came from the Imam Jameel Action Network working to free Imam Jamil Alamin. Uh, also known as H. Rap Brown, it says that um, Imam Al-Amin continues to appeal his Georgia conviction as he maintains his innocent innocence of the murder and assault of two Fulton County, Georgia sheriff's deputies. His federal habeas corpus filed in the United States District Court. For the Northern District of Georgia raises numerous grounds for reversal of the conviction and sentence including ineffective assistance of trial counsel the failure to investigate the confession of an individual who continues to assert his guilt since March 2000 see here we are 2015 and you got a person who Who has confessed to killing these cops. And they don't care. They don't care. And you got to ask yourself why. I think because of who he is. Because of his past work. And now you know. uh, We don't want these type of people out and about. Among the masses because they might, you know, decide uh, to come out of retirement or whatever, not to say that the brother ever retired because he was running a mosque and dealing with issues in his community down there in Georgia, but don't want them to, you know, get involved in a lar- larger contest because certainly the young people that are out there protesting today, whether they're calling themselves Black Lives Matter or if they're calling themselves, you know, campaign zero, hands up, don't shoot movement, whatever. You know, there are various different organizations and individuals who are out there protesting and taking other action out there on the street in relation to police terrorism and violence. And so, to me, that is why they want to keep these brothers and sisters behind bars. That is why it appears that, in the state of Georgia, they are not interested in justice for the family in uh, of these two deputies. They're not interested. I mean, you got a person confessing. Now, let me continue to read. It says, um, I left off at the failure to investigate the confession of an individual who continues to assert his guilt since March 2000. Also, misidentification and FBI misconduct. In addition to addressing discrepancies, the habeas challenges, constitutional errors that occurred during the Georgia trial that resulted in Imam Alameen's conviction. Now, let me just jump down again. You could read the rest, but I want to jump down to, you know, the misidentification portion of it. Um, But you can read it in its entirety again. Just look us up on Facebook, Political Prisoner Radio. It says that uh, on September the twenty fourth, twenty fifteen, two days after the close of discovery in the federal habeas case, the FBI forwarded the fourth interim CD release. So they were requesting information. That's what discovery uh, means uh, in uh, legal. uh, process after a careful review, the attorneys found several documents supporting Imam Alameem's innocence that were not produced before trial. See, before trial, the prosecution is supposed to turn over any and all evidence um, or or any material that's related to their investigation over to the defense. A lot of times, that most of the time, I probably say, you know, prosecute prosecute prosecutorial misconduct is going on all right so that would be a instance of prosecutorial um, misconduct all right so the uh, attorneys found several documents supporting imam alameem's innocence that were not produced before trial of significance is one document a bolo which is a a be on the lookout bulletin or uh, apb all points bulletin you know That's when they give a description of somebody that they're looking for that they um, suspect has committed a crime. So in the case of these uh, deputies getting shot and killed, a be on the lookout bulletin was issued to all law enforcement agencies the day after the March 16th, 2000 incident that specifically described the height and weight of the shooter as being within the range of 5'8 to 5'9 and 150 to 160 pounds. Let me state that again. This is what the the law enforcement put out, that they were looking for the shooter of these deputies who they said was between the range and, of course, a black male, but um, in the range of 5'8 and 5'9. That, that's a fairly short person. I'm, I'm six foot two. Um, this person also, they said was 150 to 160 pounds. All right. That's, that's, that's a, a pretty small person. And they were on foot and wearing a black coat. Now, this description is inconsistent with Imam Alameen's body type. And I did not know this, uh, fam, but. <laughs> brother h Ralph brown was six foot five and 185 to 190 uh pounds so he's a very slender person but he's very tall person at six foot five that's that's a full three inches taller than i am all right and and so um that's inconsistent that's inconsistent with the person that they were actually looking for. So this leads me to believe that he was specifically targeted because, let's say, number one, uh, his background as an organizer and a very effective organizer as a person who is very knowledgeable on the system of racism and white supremacy as well as other things. And that, you know, number uh, another issue is the fact that he's a Muslim. All right. And, and we know since September the 11th and of course before the end, but since September the 11th, 2001, when USA Inc allowed those people to crash them planes into them buildings. All right. Uh, that they have really been targeting the, the Muslim community, uh, here in America and abroad as well. Um, If you want to look at Gitmo and all the people that's been kidnapped across the world and uh, sent to that hell hole. All right. All right. So uh, those are the reasons that I think that um, they set them up. You know, why wouldn't you really be interested and get it. I mean, I would think you know the way law enforcement tries to portray themselves as a brotherhood and all this and that that they wouldn't go for a cover up. That they want the real person. So somebody with with some some kind of um cred or power said no. We no no we gonna get Imam Jamil Alameen for this, and it's just par for the course. Like I've said over the years about COINTELPRO, uh, that's the counterintelligence program the FBI was running under J. Edgar Hoover to target and frame and assassinate black leaders, whether they were part of the nonviolent civil rights movement or whether they were a part of the any means necessary, I'm going to get free black power movement um, that, that came up you know, um during uh Malcolm X or or shortly after Malcolm X's assassination, you know, when the Black Panther Party uh started in nineteen sixty six in, in in uh uh October. All right. So um yeah, so that that's just you know, par for the course and I've always said COINTELPRO never ended. They still targeting political and social activists Certainly, you have seen how the media, which played a role in COINTELPRO, I have interviewed former journalists and as well as my own research and clips I have played of the church committee hearings where the media was playing a role in setting these brothers and sisters up. And certainly the media today has been demonizing the movement that is out there in the street against um, police terrorism. And so that is why and I'm not blaming anyone um, and I'm not trying to uh, criticize anyone. I'm just stating a fact. But I feel like that all movements, you're standing on the shoulders of those who came before you and many of you and it's not your fault. Because as I stated, I did not even know political prisoners existed until up to about three and a half, four years ago. And why I uh, got in touch with Sister Amidio and Sister Marpessa to start this program, this weekly Sunday night program. But so I know the information has been hidden from especially these young people that's out there in the street. Whether again, they're calling themselves as part of the Black Lives Matter movement or the Hands Up, Don't Shoot movement or Campaign Zero or whatever that you need to, in my opinion, I, not you need to, um, but I would like to see you make political prisoners and the issue involving our political prisoners a part of your wider campaign to address police violence and terrorism and other issues that black people face because guess what imam jamil Alamine, ed point dexter mando we langa momia abu jamal the um the um move nine and we you know several of them have died in prison um all of these brothers and sisters You know, you are standing on their shoulders. They made the ultimate sacrifice. If they weren't assassinated, like Chairman Fred Hampton up there in Chicago, if they weren't assassinated by the police and the FBI, then they were set up and they were framed and they were put in prison. And so I feel like it is a grave um, injustice. For anyone who is out there fighting on these issues to ignore the fact that these brothers and sisters are on these prison plantations being tortured, lives being destroyed, and you don't know anything about them or, you know, which isn't your fault, but if you come into that knowledge, you need to make this a part or your platform I don't expect the NAACP to do it and they know about these brothers and sisters and they never say nothing I don't expect the so called urban league or any black organization or so called African American organization to be advocating for these brothers and sisters I don't expect the black political caucus and your elected black leaders to do it because guess what They ain't trying to tear down the system. They just trying to get in where they fit in. And oftentimes they are. They have placed themselves in a position to where they depend on white people's money, white people's corporations to run their organizations. And so when you take money from Bank of America, uh, Wells Fargo, General Electric, If you're getting grants from the federal government, the state government, any of these white uh, um, uh, philanthropy organizations, you know, Ford Foundation, whatever, you know, then guess what? When you start calling for the freedom of freedom fighters, then those purse strings is going to get cut and you're going to fall in line. So I understand why these organizations don't talk about our political prisons. I understand why the black elected leaders who are beholden to the Democratic Party or beholden to the Republican Party, they are beholden to the establishment. I understand completely. I'm, I'm not excusing it, but I understand it. Cause see, they want to keep their position in the system. So they, they don't do that. But again, let me bring it back to the young protesters out there in the street. At any moment. And in fact, some of you already are political prisoners. When you were sitting in that jail for protesting, police terrorism, after they arrested you you were a political prisoner and some of you are still wait, awaiting trial and whatnot. so at any point you can be in this situation that these brothers and sisters are in now if you faking the funk out there and you are compromising your principles and you are Getting involved in the things that I said, you know, about the NAACP and these or other quote-unquote mainstream organizations, the nonprofit industrial complex, you know, and you getting dependent on these rich white people to fund your movement, you know. Then what, you know, what good are you? We don't need another NAACP. We don't need another bunch of you know uh, elected black leaders who ain't going. Speak truth to power. So. Just keep that in mind. That we see you. On MSNBC. Or CNN today. But very well. In five years from now. Hell. We might see you in a prison jumpsuit. So. It is incumbent upon us. To fight. For those who fought for us. And are indeed. Suffering right now. Because. They were doing the very same things. That people are out there. In the streets doing today. Organizing around. Political issues that affect. Black people. And other non-white people. As well. So at this time. um, I want to play. This interview. I want to thank. Block Report Radio for conducting this interview and sharing it with us. Um you can follow them on soundcloud.com. You could type in the search engine, Block Report Radio, or you can just go to their website, BlockReportRadio.com. That's block excuse me, block, as in, you know, I'm gonna go around the block. Uh Block Report radio.com they conducted this interview Um, it was posted let me see it doesn't have a date on here one month ago it was actually posted one month ago and this is the latest um, piece that I could find about him but this is his wife an attorney Karima uh, Al Amin speaking on her husband Imam Jamil Al Amin's health. Let me take a station identification break uh, and then we'll roll right into uh, that interview. You're listening to Political Prisoner Radio, broadcasting every Sunday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling. Visit us on the web at BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com Excuse me, we're having some issues with that audio. Let me just uh, refresh it, because I've had it up for quite some time, and so uh, maybe that will resolve. Again, this is from BlockReportRadio.com, speaking with Karima You are listening to another Alameen. edition
1: of Block Report Radio with the People's Minister of Information, J.R. Today our honored guest is Karima Alameen, the wife of Political Prisoner and the lawyer for Political Prisoner, Imam Jamil Alameen, formerly known as H.R.F. Brown. Imam Jamil Alameen has been a political prisoner over this last 15 years, and we are fighting to free him. Miss Karima Alameen, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the program.
1: Thank you for coming. Over this 15-year battle, we have gotten the Imam out of Florence which is the mainland Guantanamo Bay prison right here in the United States. And now he is in Philadelphia. Can you give us an update on what's going on with political prisoner Imam Jamil Alami?
2: Right. Okay, you're correct. On um, May 2014, when Kyrie, who is also our son and an attorney, when we visited the Imam in Florence, Colorado, we were very, very concerned about his medical condition and the fact that he was not receiving any medical attention. As a result of that, we did enter into campaign to... and we received a lot of support from not only individuals and organizations but also from congressional reps. And as a result of that, in addition to a petition signed by approximately 700 participants uh, in Mississippi at uh, at a Mississippi Civil Rights Conference that they were having, a 50th anniversary. And as a result of that and the advocacy, we were able to get him moved out of Florence. To a medical facility, and as you know, you know even though he's a Georgia state prisoner, <laughs> Georgia, the Department of Corrections, gave him over to the Feds, gave him to the the Federal Bureau of Prisons to house him in a federal facility, and immediately the Federal Bureau of Prisons moved him out to Florence, where he was held. In solitary confinement with the other inmates who are out there in the same condition. Once he was moved to Butner Medical Center, he was able to have a biopsy done, and that's when it was determined that he has smoldering multiple myeloma, which is a cancer of the plasma cells. And even though it has not progressed, that we know of so far into the advanced stage of multiple myeloma, he is not receiving any treatment for the multiple myeloma. But right now, in addition to the multiple, the smoldering multiple myeloma, he has another autoimmune syndrome, which is called Sjogren's, Sjogren's. And what that is, it's dry eyes, dry mouth, And as a result of that, which he had also in Florence, his jaws are so large that he told me the other day it's as though he has two heads. And that's how large his jaws are. So he, you know, he has swelling, he has red marks on his legs, the swollen feet, and I'm just not satisfied and we aren't satisfied and certainly he is not satisfied he usually doesn't complain but he has said this week that he is not doing well but he is in the usp taming, and that is in waymark pennsylvania and is 20 miles east of scranton pennsylvania so he's outside he's about two and a half three hours from philadelphia It's extremely cold there. He said for a year he's been there since October of 2014. And the coldness is not helping his condition at all. So, you know, we're faced with, you know, it almost doesn't matter where they are. It seems to be, you know, a problem with not only the federal system naturally, but state prisons that the inmates are not receiving adequate or quality medical care it's almost like putting band-aids on instead of getting to the root of the problem and 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 we believe that they have not gotten to the root of the problem when they had him in the medical center in butner it was let's get him in here and let's get him out even though he was not returned to florence Colorado to the supermax there, he was put in general population. And he is in general population after like 14 years. They finally put him in the uh, general population. But he is still very ill. He is turning 72 in October. And he just needs to be in a facility that can not only continue to test him on a regular basis, but to try to give him the treatment or the examination and the evaluation of a specialist. So it's critical at this point. It's very, very critical. You know, I, And we're at the stage right now that we are going to have to launch another campaign and also consider legal action.
1: What is it that we should be doing as supporters of the Imam, as supporters of political prisoners, as supporters of justice? What is it that we can be doing in his defense?
2: Right. You know, I think it's very important that we utilize the media that we have to, you know, continue to educate people, not only on uh, Imam uh, Jamil's case or his status, but, but others, because we're losing too many and we're losing too many of our brothers and sisters who are, are incarcerated. We're losing too many of them. And even when we look at the situation uh, and the condition of um, Brother Mumia, which is another example, and, you know, during our campaign, we labeled it execution by medical neglect, and the Congressional Black Caucus members joined me in calling it execution by medical neglect and so we're seeing that throughout this country and especially for those who for instance when the imam was imam jamil when he was in solitary confinement he did not have people around him that could look at him and see that he was in need of medical attention And, you know, we're happy that he's in the general population, and there are brothers around him who are very concerned about his condition and the fact that he's not receiving the medical treatment that he needs. So, you know, we're very, very concerned. We're beginning to ask people. uh, Waymark, uh, Pennsylvania, the uh, Canaan, they've been in a lockdown situation. And I don't even think they can use that as an excuse, the fact that the institution has been locked down, that he can't see a physician. But we're right back where we were before in trying to urge the Federal Bureau of Prisons to give him the medical treatment that he needs. So that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what institution it is. You know, it's, it's systemic. You know, it's a, it's a problem. That they have in the system, so we're asking people to, you know, if if they can, to call Waymart, call the USP Canaan in Waymart, and to do the same thing that we did before in saying that we're concerned about his health. He needs to be treated. He needs to be seen by physicians, and there are letters going out also, and there are organizations, the Imam Jamil Action Network, the Jericho Movement, MOVE, the International Concerned Friends and Family of Mumia Abu-Jamal, and other organizations and individuals who are going to, and they're in the process of demanding immediate adequate medical attention for, for my husband. So we appreciate, again, the efforts of Our supporters and people who are concerned about the human rights of, of our political prisoners. And you know, even though we can say he was a political, he's been a political prisoner incarcerated since 2000, but as a result of being one of the five individuals mentioned in the August 1967 COINTELPRO memo from J. Edgar Hoover, He's been a political prisoner
1: for all these years. Well, I just want to thank you, Ms. Karima. I just want to thank you for being courageous. I want to thank you for having your husbands back, having your clients back, and we support you. We are behind you. Whatever the block report, whatever the Bayview, whatever we can do, let us know.
2: Thank you so much, uh, J.R. and and Imam Jamil. He sends his greetings to you, and he wanted me to be certain to...
1: Extend those to you. Tell them, hey, vice versa, and I'm trying to make it out there to go see to your ma'am you know, so we can um, make it more concrete. I want to push our listeners to have more concrete relationships with mm-hmm. our political prisoners and with prisoners in general in this country. So I want to try to be that example. So, okay. all right, thank you, Miss Karima, Miss Karima Alameen, and we will talk okay. to you soon
0: all right I want to uh also say thank you to blot block report radio dot com and the host of that program for uh producing media in relation to political prisoners in this country again this is information that is being suppressed they want to keep this from the masses that is why I do not come on these airs and and blast black lives matter or, or these are young people these are young people and they are not aware of all of the political prisoners that the United States has. hell they probably not even aware of COINTELPRO all right the counterintelligence program to destroy, uh, black people. Alright? And, and them trying to lift them up from their, uh, lift themselves up by their bootstraps and do for self. But also to demand our human rights. Again, there is not enough people who are paying attention, uh, to this information, uh, that is going out, and that's why it's very important. Uh, that uh, we who are independent black media producers or independent media producers period um, should be doing everything we can to highlight the cases of our freedom fighters who are uh, prisoners of war and I think that's an accurate description because there is a war that has been raging in this country for over 400 years and it has never ended and we're still fighting it today that is why I recommend that people develop battlefield awareness because that is, we live on a battlefield. All right, so again, thank you BlockReportRadio.com uh, for producing that report. Uh, before I get ready to wrap it up, I just shared an article about the Omaha 2 from the SF, that stands for San Francisco, the SFBayView.com. I just shared that on our timeline, Political Prisoner Radio, which you can find on Facebook. For those that may be listening to this podcast later, um, I will link to the article um, I thought I had, but apparently I didn't save it or update my post and it didn't save the link. I will post that link, but you can find it right now uh, by going to Facebook.com. Uh, type in the search engine political prisoner radio. Give us a like. Don't just like the page, but also take the second step of following the page or to get the updates. Because if you just like a page, um, they will not show you uh, those updates unless you also take an extra step to follow the page. All right. And um, they I, I can't say this with 100 percent certainty. But I can say it with 99 percent probability that they are even trying to suppress um, the post and stuff that uh, we make on Political Prisoner Radio's Facebook page. I mean, even as you know, I log into Facebook and I manage several uh, different pages or co-manage several different pages with some of our other media uh, partners and you know it gives me a list of all the different pages but guess which one it doesn't show me it doesn't show me political prisoner radio so that just um, adds to uh, my suspicion uh, that facebook is involved in suppressing uh, information about our political prisoners and um, actually On Facebook, they do this thing called Facebook Memories every once in a while. If you log into Facebook, it'll show you a post on the same date from years ago. And today, I shared a post um, that showed up in my memories from 2013. There was an article that was published that police... Have a relationship with Facebook. And when I say police, I'm talking about all law enforcement, including the federal bureau of investigations. Um, yeah, that they have a relationship with Facebook to monitor us. And I've even uh, read articles about Black Lives Matter people, uh, saying that they were under illegal surveillance. So, um, yeah, but I'm not trying to hide from anyone not trying to hide I'm not afraid um, there's no fear that lives here in, in my heart and um, all I'm doing is putting out information there are other people like Jamil Alameen who have done far more than I could ever dream to do since I came into consciousness so late in my life uh, but these brothers and sisters was out there when they were in college and whatnot and, and fighting. So, yeah. um, Yeah. But let me just share this information uh, briefly. Um, speaking of political prisoners and COINTELPRO, there was also some information. There's this guy by the name of what is his, his last name? Richardson is his last name, but he's the COINTELPRO examiner for examiner, dot com Michael Richardson I think is his name um, and he frequently writes about the Omaha too but he has published information that um, has shown that the FBI under the, the direct orders of J Edgar Hoover to a special uh, field agent in Omaha to target Mondo uh, Wielenga who was known at that time as David Rice as well as ed point dexter and the special agent has sent a cable to uh j edgar hoover saying that these brothers ain't and i'm paraphrasing of course but these brothers ain't involved in nothing but feeding children and so what happened was is somebody made a phone call uh reporting a crime was happening at an abandoned house a police officer responds and the house blows up there was an explosion killing uh, the officer if you ask me the FBI probably did it alright and and uh, just so that they could say I'm telling you man y'all may think that sounds crazy but it's not crazy man they will sacrifice uh, people just for the uh, broader agenda alright <laughs> they don't care nothing about these cops they really don't alright And they don't care nothing about justice. They don't know anything about the meaning of the word justice. They can put justice department on any building they want to. They do not understand justice. They don't practice justice. And so um, that's how they got set up. That's how they got set up. And they have been in prison for 45 years, um, you know, as of this past August. um, Convicted. In a very controversial trial, Um, I have shared information on previous programs, played some audio to some videos that you can find on YouTube. You can find some good documentaries about the Omaha, too. Uh, The brothers keep coming up for parole. But, of course, as in the case of most of the political prison, they never get paroled. Because a lot of times you got former cops on these parole boards, and if you've been accused... And a convicted of killing a cop, they ain't trying to let you out. Regardless of what the evidence says in terms of your innocence or your clean prison record where you haven't gotten in any kind of trouble or written up for any foolishness and, and going, they don't care, man. These are prisoners of war and the war ain't over. So please check out um, that article. Um, I'm hoping that these brothers will get set free. There seems to be a lot of movement on their case as of late. Um, You got this real um, I would say uh, conscious brother Nebraska State Senator Ernie Chambers who has advocated on their behalf and um, he actually had success in abolishing the death penalty in the state of Nebraska which is also where our our, uh, elder Malcolm X was born, Um, so he is, seems to be involved, uh, based on this article, it's a very long article, so please go read it, Um, so hopefully, you know, we can get Brother uh, Mondo Langa, who uh, actually is, is, um, the last time I heard, uh, still suffering. From, I forgot what they call that, OCD or something is a, a respiratory disease that a lot of people get in prison and he has to use, you know, oxygen tank and all of that. And, um, Ed Point Dexter, I haven't heard anything in terms of his health, but the brothers don't belong there. They're innocent. And these, and these criminals that are calling themselves law enforcers, they know that they're innocent. But again, it is all about creating the divide between the generations. They don't want any of these elder, veteran organizers giving any kind of wisdom or instruction to these young people that's out there organizing today. Again, there is a war that is being waged on all non-white people globally these people are enemies of justice and they have been waging this war for over 400 years and these brothers and sisters are political prisoners prisoners of war that concludes tonight's broadcast uh if you were expecting to uh hear the lotus place come up i i believe uh Sister Black Rose is still on vacation, and I haven't heard from her today. So there will be no Lotus Place, which usually comes on at ten o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday nights, as well as Wednesday and Friday. Stay tuned to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. You know you can subscribe to updates uh, via email, and you'll know whenever any program is coming on, whether it's a program that is uh, aired on Black Talk Radio. Network's digital radio station or whether it is one of our media partners that operate their, um, their digital radio stations through our network. You can get all of those updates by just subscribing to blacktalkradionetwork.com. I personally will be back on air tomorrow, uh, which is Monday will be November the 2nd and I'm going to be discussing the terrorist attack on the young sister um, down there in South Carolina. Um, as I had said to one of my Facebook uh, comrades uh, that uh, we do have people on the ground. Now, I don't know about the NAACP. I don't know about these other people, but the new abolitionist movement, we do have people on the ground in South Carolina. Uh, one of our most prominent uh, comrades, Max Parthas, who I spoke about earlier, is down there. And he recently participated in a uh, demonstration at the sheriff's department. Uh, He was also uh, uh, there uh, giving counsel and um, strategies to the family as well as the victim. And so hopefully uh, we'll be able to hear from Max uh, tomorrow. Maybe I can get him to call in to give us a report. But I want to talk about that case as some of the listeners have asked me to speak on it so i'll be speaking on it uh tomorrow at four o'clock p.m eastern time on black talk radio news which is the program that i uh produce and host on uh mondays tuesdays uh thursdays and fridays again Please keep our sister and our comrade, Sister Amija Whitlock, in your thoughts and prayers. and those good healing vibrations uh, to them. And also, please make a donation. Make a donation. She definitely needs to help, even though she don't want to ask for it. Um, she needs to help. And um, I said, and it is my duty to put out that call uh, for help to her, and let me just give you that email address where you can send PayPal donations. Again, that email address is K.A. the number two at Gmail dot com. That's K.A. James two at Gmail dot com. All right. Recognize the fact that you live behind enemy lines, that it's a battlefield out there. And since it's a battlefield out there where casualties are being created every day, you need to develop battlefield awareness to decrease the likelihood that you will become a victim. Peace and blessings to all.